Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes, the podcast where we're looking at the Bible. We're looking at 2 Thessalonians. Today is episode 380. We're looking at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Let's read our passage. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be easily upset or troubled, either by prophecy or a message or by a letter supposedly from us, alleging that the day of the Lord has come. This is Paul's second letter to the church at Thessalonica. It's in his first letter after Timothy came and reported what was going on. One of their concerns was about the second coming of the Lord. What happens to those who die before the Lord returns? Are they lost? And Paul's response was, no, they will be resurrected first, then we will join them in the air and be gathered to the Lord. Now Paul is sending his second letter to the church at Thessalonica, and we don't know how, but he's received a report that there's a problem at the church in that somebody is telling them that the Lord has already come. And it seems that some people are so caught up in this, they've quit their jobs, they're not working, they're just depending on others to take care of them. So remember that in light of what Paul is saying. His concern to them is that they've jumped onto this report that the Lord has already come, so the end of the world is, is near, so there's no reason to do anything, no reason to even have a job or work or support yourself. And Paul wants them to get back to work. He's warning against idleness, but he's also dealing with this improper teaching that the day of the Lord has already come. So let's dive into it. Verse 1 of chapter 2. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the day of the Lord here. And the day of the Lord is a complicated thing. There's a lot there. He's been talking in chapter 1 about their endurance, their perseverance in light of persecution. And part of his assurance to them, hope for them, is that those who are persecuting you will face judgment when the Lord returns. And those who are followers of Christ will be delivered at the day of the Lord. So he's already talked a little bit about what's going on at the day of the Lord. So it's the idea of judgment and deliverance. Now he's speaking to the idea of the coming of the Lord and the gathering of his people. Those are two events that are both part of the day of the Lord. But he begins here with the coming of our Lord. So concerning the coming of our Lord and our being gathered to him. So we have these two aspects of it, the Lord himself coming and then the Lord gathering his people to himself. We saw back in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, the description of the rapture where the Lord gathers his people to himself resurrects those who have died in Christ and those who are still alive and gathers them together to be with him forever. So this is the gathering of the people. He goes on and he says, we ask you brothers and sisters not to be easily upset or troubled. So he's given the a, a relational aspect there, brothers and sisters. And his concern is that they not be easily upset or troubled. Now you can get into the, the grammar here. These are two infinity of verbs, upset and troubled. 
But they're uh, different tense. Uh, one is uh, the Greek aorist, which is similar to a past tense, and a present tense, or troubled. So the upset refers to kind of more an event of something that's happened, and the being troubled is more of an ongoing situation. But his concern is that, one, they're upset. If you took the word literally, it would also mean shaken from your mind, upset and specifically easily upset. So he's concerned about them. They're wound up. They're upset about this teaching that the Lord has already come. So he doesn't want them to be upset or troubled. And he gives three different ways that this could happen. He says, be upset or troubled either by prophecy or by a message or by a letter, supposedly from us alleging that the day of the Lord has come. So it begins with a prophecy. Now, literally, it's by spirit is the words that are used here. But the context means he's talking about prophecy. Because what is prophecy? Prophecy is a message from God revealed by the Holy Spirit and delivered to the people. So by the Spirit would be a prophecy. Now, remember back in 1 Thessalonians, he talked a little bit about prophecy. He said, don't dismiss prophecy. So he was telling them, pay attention to prophecy. Prophecy is real. But he also warned them to test prophecies. So he warned them not to be closed-minded to prophecy, but he also warned not to be gullible about prophecy. And concern here is somebody saying that the day of the Lord has already come via a prophecy. God told me to tell you that the Lord has already come, or by a message. The word translated message is literally the word, so by word. And so that could be any kind of message, probably, you know, the context would be a verbal message, or by a letter. And he adds this phrase, supposedly from us. Now, supposedly from us could mean the last two, message or letter, or it could mean all three, prophecy, message, letter. And it doesn't really change the meaning of it. It's The point is, we don't know how these people have been told that the Lord's already come. Whether it's somebody saying, I've had a prophecy, and this is what it is. Or, Paul had a prophecy, I heard about it, that the Lord's already come. Or, they're coming with a, a message, allegedly, from Paul to tell them that the Lord has already come. Or a letter that uh, Paul allegedly has written, saying the Lord has already come. And he adds, alleging that the day of the Lord has come. The point being, the day of the Lord has not come. Now, interesting about the letter, at the very end of Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians 3, 17, Paul writes, I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand, which is an authenticating mark in every letter. This is how I write. Notice it provides that authentication specifically so that they would know this is from him. This isn't a fake letter, a counterfeit letter, allegedly from Paul, saying things that are wrong. So perhaps this is guarding against a fake letter being circulated in the name of Paul. So how do you know a letter is for real? Well, it could be based on the courier that uh, carries the letter, somebody that they know 
and they know that no, that Paul knows, and so they trust the courier says that this is a letter from Paul. It could be based on the signature, just as Paul authenticated here in Second Thessalonians to verify it is really from him, or it could just be from the context. In First Thessalonians, Paul talks so much about what they had encountered together, the common experiences they had had. So it, it could be that just based on the description of what they commonly knew authenticated the letter. His warning is, the day of the Lord has not come. And if somebody comes and tells you that it has, don't believe them. We'll see it more in chapter 2, but Paul refers to the oral teaching that he's already given them. So one of the issues when we're dealing with like Second Thessalonians here is it's a fairly short letter, and this is in addition to what he's already told them. He mentions in chapter 2, you, know, you remember what I have said to you in person. So he doesn't repeat that. He just has this aspect. So he doesn't repeat what he's already told them verbally. This is in addition to that. So when we are reading this, we don't have the verbal teaching that he's already given them about this subject. We don't have that. So that's where we have to be very careful when we read this and interpret this because we don't have the background of what Paul has already taught them concerning the day of the Lord. Now, we have a lot, and it's not that we ignore it, but we just have to be very careful when we read this that we don't make assumptions, particularly assumptions based on what we've always been told, but just go with what the message actually is. And remember the problem, the context. Somebody's teaching them the day of the Lord's already come. And his primary motivation here is to tell them, no, the day of the Lord has not come. Now, I'll continue here in chapter 2 and give a little bit of background about how you know the day of the Lord hasn't come. But also, remember, this is all urging them to get back to their regular lives, leading responsible lives, and not jumping on this uh, crazy train of the end of the world is at hand, give up your jobs, live off the charity of others. So the day of the Lord, the aspects he's already dealt with. One, it's a time of judgment, judgment of the wicked. It's a time of deliverance of the righteous. It's a time where the Lord himself comes and reveals himself, and he gathers his people to himself. And the warning to the people of Thessalonica is, don't be caught up in these false teachings. And how can we not get caught up into them? How can we not be easily upset or troubled by some of the false teachings that are so rampant today? Well, the best way is to be fully grounded in the Bible so we recognize things that don't line up with the Bible. Be very careful with a lot of outlandish teachings that are more just looking for big impact versus a deep biblical teaching. And be careful that we're measuring what we're hearing and understanding with others around us who are sound and grounded in biblical truth. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue looking at Second Thessalonians.